This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Most likely I'm speaking to someone right now that's a parent, maybe a father, maybe a mother. Suppose I were to ask you, what's the greatest challenge you have in life? And you may say, well, the greatest challenge that, that, that I have in life right now is providing for my family. And you may have a lot of things that would come to your mind. But, but really, isn't rearing children the greatest challenge of life? I hope that you'll stay tuned today because we're going to talk about rearing godly children in a godless world. I hope you'll stay tuned. Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you today to Getting to Know Your Bible. And today we're going to be offering a free Bible correspondence course. We would like for you to know a little bit about that course and how you can receive it. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In the book of Deuteronomy, there are some passages of Scripture, especially in the sixth chapter, that pertain to family and especially the rearing of children. I want to read from Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and upon thy gates." These were words that were addressed to the children of Israel as it related to the caring for their children. There was a man who went to speak one day at an opening of an institution that was to be used for the training and development of young boys. And as he was addressing the crowd on that occasion, he made this statement. If all of the money that has been spent to build this structure results in helping just one boy, it will be worth it all. Well, after the uh, ceremony was over, someone came to him, and they weren't necessarily challenging him, but they said, you know, that, 
that seemed like a little exaggeration to, to say that if all of the money that had been spent in, in building this building resulted in helping just one boy live a good life and a successful life. Well, he said it'd be worth it if it was my son. You know, we have a lot of resources in this country. We have the rolling fields and the mountains and the valleys and the streams. We have cities and factories and we have all oh, so many resources. But the greatest resource of all is our children. I really believe that the average parent today would rather have godly children, godly, right-living children, than to have $10 million. And yet we've got to take care of our children. Sometimes our parents, they do not know what's going on with their children. There was a man I, who went to visit a farmer. And he spent the day on this man's farm. And the farmer showed him around everything that he had. He showed him his cattle, his crops, his barns, machinery. And there wasn't anything about all of that that he could not talk about. That afternoon, they were sitting on the front porch of that farmhouse. And there was a young man who drove up to the gate, honked the horn. The farmer's daughter ran out the door, ran down the steps, jumped in the car with that young man, and took off. And so the man asked the farmer, who was that young man that, that picked up your daughter? He said, you know, I don't really know. Said, she, she sees people all the time. I have no idea who it was. Here was a man who knew everything about his farm. He knew about his crops. He knew about his cattle. He knew about his machinery. There wasn't anything he did not know, but he knew absolutely nothing about the most precious thing that was his, and that was his daughter. There's a price tag you have to pay to be a good father and a good mother. We must be willing to pay the price. And there's a story in the Old Testament that, that gives us some insight into how we can have good children today, godly children. And it's the story of Samuel in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6, he's referred to there as being a man of God, and indeed he was a man of God. But how is it that Samuel was reared to become a man of God? If you remember the story from the Old Testament, his mother's name was Hannah. And she had some obstacles that faced her in rearing her son to be a man of God. Think about the three obstacles that were in her way. First of all, there was the obstacle of the depraved society. In that day, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, according to Judges 21 and verse 25. But in spite of the depraved society, 
Samuel became a man of God. Another obstacle that stood in her way was a divided home. You see, her husband's name was Elkanah, but he had at least one inconsistency in his life, and that is he had another wife by the name of Penina. And Penina caused Hannah much grief. There was tension in the home because there were two wives that this man had. But in spite of the tension and the division that was in that home, she was able to rear Samuel to be a man of God. A third obstacle that stood in the way to rearing Samuel to be a man of God was a defiled priesthood. You see, Eli was the high priest and he had sons. In the first Samuel 3.13, the Bible says that his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. His sons were guilty of various sins. For example, they were guilty of ignorance. In 1 Samuel 2.12, it says they knew not the Lord. They were not knowledgeable of God. That is, they were not living in harmony or in a fellowship or close fellowship with God. Secondly, they were uh, guilty of sacrilege. They abhorred the offering of the Lord. And a third thing that they were guilty of was immorality. They lay with the women at the, at the gate of the tabernacle. And so they were guilty of sin. And then next, they were guilty of, of setting an e evil example before the people. Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 24, they caused Israel to sin. And then there was their parental disobedience. They did not listen to what their father said. So the, there was a defiled priesthood. I suppose if we were to put that into a modern connotation, we'd say those boys were the preacher's sons. But in spite of all of that, in spite of the evil influence that they ex exhibited, she was able to rear Samuel to be a man of God. Now here's the question. How did she do it? I have an idea that I'm talking to some mother right now that wants to know how to do that. You, you want that little uh, child that you have in your arms right now to grow up to be a great man of God. You want your little daughter to be a woman that loves God and lives a godly life. So how are you going to do that? Number one, set a godly example. That's exactly what she did. If you look at the first verse of chapter 2, it begins like this, And Hannah prayed. You see, she had a tremendous prayer life. It's very difficult to recommend something to someone that you're not doing yourself. And she was a godly woman, and the very fact that she had this kind of a, of a, of a prayer life suggests her feeling of dependence upon God. So Hannah was a praying woman. I don't know if there's a way to overemphasize the importance of parental example. Children are born to imitate. And they're little imitators. And they're going to do what they see other people do. We need to set a good example before our children. Now there was a little fish that noticed that crabs would swim sideways and backwards. And so the little fish got all excited about that and said, I think I'm going to start conducting a school and I'm going to teach the crabs how to swim straight rather than sideways and backwards. So 
five days a week, maybe six days a week, that the, the little fish would teach the crabs how to swim straight rather than sideways and backwards. Well, then the fish would go home for the weekend. They'd come back the next day, and the crabs were swimming sideways and backwards. You see what happened? He would teach them how to swim straight. They'd go home and see all of that parental example at home of swimming sideways and backwards, and they, all the teaching that he had done was overcome by bad example. Our children need a good example before them. If we want our children to love God, now this may come as a shock to you. They've got to know and they've got to see that you love God. If you want your children to love the Bible, they've got to see that you love the Bible. I think one of the reasons that the Bible is dear to me is because of the example that my godly mother set before me I have pictures in my mind of her sitting for hours at the time with the Bible in her lap, reading and studying the Bible, preparing a Bible class to teach on the Lord's Day morning. A godly example. If we want our children to be honest, then they've got to know that we are honest, that we are truthful. If we want our children to live right, then we must set the right example before them. I got a clipping out of the newspaper some time ago uh, of a, sur a survey that was made of, of teenagers, and uh, it, was, it was about the parental example or influence parents had on their children. And there were 1,000 high school seniors that were surveyed. And let me, let me give you the results of that survey. In those instances where those children came from homes where the mother attended church but the father did not, in those cases only 58% of those children would go to church. But in those instances where the, the father went, the mother did not, then there was a different percentage that went to church. But here's the thing I want you to see. In those cases where both father and mother were actively involved in going to church, involved in religious activities, they would read the Bible, they would pray, 86% of their children were doing that as well. You see, all that's about is our example. So set the right example before your children. If you want to rear godly children in the world in which we live today. But then Hannah built a strong marriage. Her husband's name was Elkanah. And there was a special love between them. If you'll notice in verse 5 it says that uh, unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah. But she had no children. The Lord had shut up her womb. He loved her. There was a strong tie. There was a strong love between them. Our children need to know that mother and daddy love each other. Husbands are to love their wives. Ephesians 5 and verse 25 tells us, just like Christ loved the church. And our children need to know that they love each other. I've often said, and I believe this is true, 
that it is more important for our children to know that mother and daddy love each other than it is for them to know that mother and daddy love them because they know that if mother and daddy love each other, they have the confidence and the assurance that mother and daddy are going to love them. And our children need to be loved. And uh, there was a child that was up for adoption. And this couple went to interview for that child. And, and, and in the interview, and they were meeting with the child and with the uh, social worker. And they began to tell this child, now, if you'll come and live with us, that this is what we're going to do for you. And it was a little boy that they were uh, interviewing for, and they said, if you'll come live with us, well, we're going to buy you a ball and a bat and a glove and a football, basketball, a basketball goal, and we're even going to get you a bicycle. All of these things that we're going to do for you. And that little fellow looked up at those people and said, all I want is someone to love me. Do you realize, mother and daddy, that all your children want is somebody to love them? I know that, that most of us, if not all of us, that are watching the telecast right now are alarmed at some of the things that we see going on the streets of America today and some of the things that some of the young people of the land are doing today. But I want to tell you what I, why I think so many of them are doing that. I think they're looking for acceptance. They're looking for love that they never found at home. If we want to rear godly children, you need to build a strong marriage. Mother and daddy need to love each other. I think another thing that contributed to uh, Hannah rearing a man of God, she made most of the early years. She made most of those early years. Now, it was after she had weaned Samuel that he was taken to the house of Eli. But before that, her time was short. She had to make the most of the time that she had. And as parents, our time is limited with our children. It seems just like yesterday that our children were born, and now they're in their 50s. You see, it doesn't take long for them to grow up. And our grandchildren are in their teens. You see, time doesn't stand still when you're rearing children. You say, well, someday I'm going to make the time. You don't do that. You do not make time to rear your children. You, you find the time. You take the time to do what needs to be done. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. You need to make most of those early years. Have you ever been at some place where uh, they were building a, a sidewalk and the sidewalk is the, the, the concrete is still what they call green or easily uh, to have impressions made on it a and maybe you put your palm down there and you put your left your palm print in that concrete 
And you, you scribble your name down there and the date that that was done. Well, I want to challenge you to come back in 24 hours after you've made that impression with your palm and try to do it again. But you see, you'll not be able to do it again. And the reason is the concrete will have hardened. And after it's hardened, it's very difficult to make any kind of impressions on it like that. Our children, as they get older, it is more difficult to make impressions for good upon them. We need to do it while they're young, while their minds are pliable, while they're teachable. We need to make impressions for good on our children. We need to make the most of those early years. I've heard parents say, well, you know, I, I know my children are not coming to Sunday school now, but when they get a little bit older, when, when they learn to behave, then, then I'm going to start bringing them. You're wasting some of the most precious time, years of your child's life, and that's those early years. Well, here's another thing that contributed to Hannah rearing a son of a man of God, and she taught him how to pray. Her dependence on God caused him to see he needed to depend on, on God as well. Her dependence on God was woven into the fabric of Samuel's life, and hence he became a man of God. Parents need to be praying people. We ought to be, all of us ought to pray. Men ought always to pray, Jesus said, and not to faint in Luke 18, 1. And in Luke 8, 11 and 1, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we ought to be people of prayer. Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So we ought to be people of prayer. And when we teach our children to pray, we're helping them to, to develop a character and, and life that's going to depend on God. Now, I know that when children are small, I remember this with our children and we start teaching them how to pray. and Maybe you're sitting down eating your meal and, and you ask your little boy, to, Son, would you lead us in prayer now? And he will thank God for the fork and for the knife. And he'll thank God for the spoon. And then he'll thank God for the peas. And he'll thank God for the milk. he thank God for each piece. You say, I just wish you'd hurry up and get through. No, no, you need to let him pray because he's learning at his level to depend on God and be thankful for what God does for him. We need to teach our children to pray. But Hannah was able to rear a man of God because she taught him to respond to authority. We talked about the, some of the obstacles that she faced in rearing her son, and one of them was a defiled priesthood. Eli's sons made themselves vile. But in spite of that, there is no indication that Samuel ever disrespected Eli. She taught him to respond to authority. And where, where this starts is at home. There are some children that are not reared to respect authority. They do not respect the authority of their father or their mother. They do not respect the authority of their teachers at school. They do not respect the authority of the police. They do not respect 
any kind of human authority, and then they do not really respect the authority of God. If we must teach our children to respect authority, if we want to have children that we will be pleased with and that we'll be acceptable to God, and we can say they're godly children in a world that's gone seemingly gone awry. But then another thing that she did in rearing Samuel to be a man of God is she gave him meaningful reminders of her love. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 9, she would make him a little coat every year and take it to him at the house of Eli. That little coat was a reminder of the, his mother and of the love that his mother had for him. So she did not let him forget about her and we need to be giving our children gifts of love. And the greatest gift that you can give to your children is not money, it's not an automobile. The greatest gift you can give your children is you, your time. And I know sometimes a father will say, I just don't have the time. You had to make the time. There was a father who took off from work one day and took his little boy fishing. And he came back to work the next day, and the guy said, what did you do yesterday? He said, I wasted a whole day. Well, what did you do? Well, I took my little boy fishing. But do you know that that little boy wrote in his diary that night these words? Today was the greatest day of my life. My daddy took me fishing. His father took time with him. We need to take time with our children. Children are precious to God, and our children are precious to us. May God help us to make our homes Christian homes. If you're not a Christian father or mother, may I urge you to give your life to Christ by believing on Him, by repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Christ, and allow some servant of God to immerse you into Christ that your sins be washed away in the blood of Christ. May God help you to do that. I want to thank you for watching today. And may I invite you to attend the services of the Church of Christ nearest to you. Also pick up the telephone right now and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. And if you prefer, you can take the course online. But whatever you do, however you study it, please take this Bible course. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible Correspondence Course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1 877 5214. Join us next time for getting to know your Bible.